suicide game just yesterday It's made all that I learned The emptiness of life examined Hello out there, welcome to another episode of Things I Learned While Learning Other Things. This is an attempt by me, Joe Morahan, and my brother J.S. to provide you with a series of interesting, informative, educational, and perhaps even enjoyable stories that will help you navigate through those high seas of life. Today's episode is our 141st podcast. It is Bioblast number 8. Bite-sized tastes of notable men. And is subtitled, Is This the Price of Perfection? You know, these biographical appetizers or divers, if you will, the, of the lives of the rich, the poor, the famous, the infamous, the notorious and glorious, or perhaps maybe even people like you or me or us. Though in reality, yeah, they're they're probably not people like you or me. So let's begin with Eddie Van Halen's mind-blowing one minute and forty-two second long guitar solo on Eruption that changed the way guitarists viewed their instruments. No less an authority than the cynical, critical Frank Zappa, who thanked Eddie. Van Halen for changing music history by reinventing the guitar. I mean, that is strong stuff right there. Zappa really was a musical beast and realized that without deviation from the mean, the norm, progress was simply not possible. And he readily recognized Eddie Van Halen as an otherworldly talent and said so. Reinventing the guitar really was Eddie's life passion, and he was certainly good at it. He built his own guitars. He spent many hours reconstructing guitars. He built his own recording studio on his property, and he essentially lived in the, in the studio so that he might record any time, day, or night. Playing the guitar was Eddie Van Halen's existence. And, and music might have been the only thing that Eddie ever was any good at, except the invercore, of course, his monstrous capacity, ability, you know, hardly the proper term, to consume copious, ungodly amounts of drugs that placed him within the orbit of, say, Keith Richards. And his drinking aptitude was matched maybe only by practitioners of, of, the, of notes such as Nikita Khrushchev and Boris Yeltsin. And as for his bogarting smokes, he was the real deal. He was the Marlboro man in a class with Steve McQueen. And we know the toll that took on Steve McQueen. Eddie's commitment to what he deemed perfection in music demanded ever more takes, insane hours of of, of playing the same things over and over again, fueled by cocaine that kept him awake and alcohol which diminished his inhibitions. Then he played all night long. It was hell on bandmates, session players, friends. He he might start his day, Eddie, at 3 p.m. or maybe 9 p.m. No one could ever know, and especially not Eddie. If, if, if Eddie told you, I'll meet you 
here tomorrow at noon. That did not mean that Eddie would meet you the next day at noon. You might think so, but then you'd be wrong because that promise wasn't necessarily a commitment on Eddie's part. It was only a theory, a theory of how he might spend the next day. You know, in Hollywood, there's late. There's being star late. Then there's being diva late. And then there's Robert Redford late. Robert Redford, he'd make plans to meet you at a coffee house at 9 a.m. You'd be there at 9 a.m. Redford would not be there. Redford might show up at 3 p.m. And if you were not still waiting at 3 p.m. when he deigned to show up, then, then Robert Redford would be totally pissed off at you because he'd come all that way to see you and you weren't there. Yeah, it was six hours after he said he'd meet you, but still... As, as, my mother, as my mother used to say, how dare you? I mean, this is Robert Redford. But then at the end of the day, there's Eddie Van Halen late. Well, you can only imagine what that might mean. How, how his wife, actress Valerie Bertinelli, could, would, or did tolerate Eddie's behavior, his crazy behavior, for two decades remains a total mystery. Apparently, um, Valerie Bertinelli was really continually busy with her own projects, and she truly did like bad boys. And Eddie's behavior was atrocious. But on planet Earth, Eddie was loved and he was respected. You know, as respects Van Halen, the band, Eddie, Eddie would fire his frontman vocalist, David Lee Roth, who, who truly believed that Van Halen was all about him, David Lee Roth. Eddie wanted to make music. Roth was all about being the star of a rock band, literally the face of Van Halen. And that's why he saw it. And Eddie stewed about David Lee Roth for years, but obviously believed he couldn't pull the trigger because he needed Roth, who, who acted like, performed like, and thought himself as the quintessential rock star. And David Lee Roth would be the kind of guy who'd, who'd ask that the water be heated before he'd walk on it. That was David Lee Roth. And he believed he was Van Halen and that Eddie was only his guitarist. He was wrong about that. You know, during, during an interview one time with Guitar Player Magazine um, uh, to help the release of uh, the album Diver Down, uh, Eddie was asked, why were there so few guitar solos on the album? And Eddie answered, because Dave said no more fucking guitar solos, which, which when you think about it, is the equivalent of Dennis Rodman telling Michael Jordan, no more dunks. Are you kidding me? Well, David Lee Roth was, was on an ego trip. That's all there is to it. But Eddie refused to deal with it, and he didn't deal with it for years. When, when he ultimately decided to dispatch Roth, legend has it that he did it on April Fool's Day, 1985, and it was only then that he replaced David Lee Roth with Sammy Hager. And, and, and by the way, Van Halen continued to roll. So... You know, argument may support the idea that there existed a different but better second version of Van Halen. But ultimately, and not shockingly, 
all good things must come to an end. And 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 Van Halen, Eddie's disputes with with Sammy Hager became legendary and ended, you know, only in acrimony. Um, and in 1996, Hagar would leave the band. Now, whether he was pushed out or he left it of his own accord, there's debate about that. But what remained of Van Halen thereafter were only Eddie, his soulmate brother Alex, Michael Anthony, his 31 years loyal bassist, and then there were the drugs, the alcohol, and the chaos. Nothing with Eddie Van Halen ever came easy. His perfectionism in contrast to Prince is very instructive. Um, and it led to years where Eddie produced no work product whatsoever, just redo, retake, one after another. When Prince rolled out of bed in the morning, whenever he deemed to roll out of bed, he strolled into a studio, started playing, the tape rolled, music was recreated, it was recorded and produced, and it was put in the can. And Prince had product. Next! Like the tide, Prince was rolling on and on and on. And Prince had the product. It was whatever it was. And whatever it was, it was done. It might have been good. It might have been bad. It might have been ugly. It might have been great. Terrible, even. Could it be improved upon? Maybe. Could it be made better? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. It didn't matter. Prince was on to the next song. This was unlike Eddie Van Halen, who could not move on. Unlike Charles Dickens, who wrote four million words, you know, with you know, and Dickens was was a Bill Gates had a Bill Gates like commitment to not letting the perfect become the enemy of the good. Move over, shallow water. High tide is rolling in. Prince just let her rip. Prince moved on, in a way that Eddie just did not, could not, you know, would not. He just had to perfect whatever he had. These obsessional redos of the same riff, the same song, over and over and over and over. It's like the need, it's like the need to, to check to see if you lock your front door. You just locked. And, and you go to check it again. And again, 40, 50 times before going to bed, just to be sure. I mean, just to be sure. Let me check one more time. You know, just to be sure. Let me check one more time. This, this was Eddie Van Halen. But this is why Prince now has, even subsequent to his death, 8,000 songs, 8,000 works that are still being studied. And Eddie has relatively little product to show for a lifetime, a lifetime spent noodling away in his studio, performing 100, 200, 300 takes of the same riff over and over and over again. Nothing was ever good enough. So, so little to show for so much effort. And for 20 years, 20 years from 1995 on, he literally had nothing, nada. You know, there's a, there's a moment in time when, you know, Eddie Van Halen was friends with um, the Kiss bass player, uh, co-lead frontman, Gene Simmons. And, and, Van, Van, and Eddie was pressing um, Simmons as to why nearly 
every Kiss song had basically the same beat, essentially the you know similar melodies, and almost all songs were written in the same key even, and pretty much the sound of one, any one song was indistinguishable one from another. Why was that? And Simmons explained to a rather stunned Eddie Van Halen that once Kiss had found the formula to get kids moving and grooving, the band didn't want to lose them. Kiss just continued to provide its fans what they wanted to hear. Why would they change? You know, and what's wrong with that? This made Kiss just like most commercial businesses. They offered the market a product a product customers wanted. And they provided the product to them as they liked it. Nothing wrong with that. And it may be commercially profitable to satisfy demand in this way. Brilliant even. It's KISS as a musical equivalent of, say, Kellogg's or General Mills. But it certainly wasn't the way Eddie Van Halen operated. Musically, he was always trying to change, ride a wave, each wave different, unpredictable, and he rode the wave wherever it took him. Well, enjoyed might not be the operative word here, but Eddie was compelled to ride the wave. And, and, and wherever that took him, that was fine with Eddie. You know, Bob Dylan and John Lennon, by way of illustration, they grew bored with the status quo of their own music and went wherever the mood would take them. They made music they felt at that moment. They didn't follow the audience. No, they did not. They didn't appeal to the audience. The audience, such as it was, would follow Lennon or Dylan, or they wouldn't. Whatever. It wasn't going to change Bob Dylan or John Lennon. I didn't... uh, I didn't enjoy Bob Dylan when he went all gospel on us. I just didn't. Bob, do, do you think Bob Dylan gave a rat's ass whether I followed him during his gospel stage? No, he did not. He was just doing his thing. And as John Lennon once pronounced when a reporter alerted him that in the American South, crowds were burning Beatle records in a protest at something Lennon had said, and the reporter indicated that perhaps John Lennon ought to be worried about it, to which John Lennon responded, we'll tell you when it's over. And the Beatles did. You know, and as Bob Dylan would do when he went um, all electric at the Newport News, uh, Newport News, the Newport Music Festival in 1985, having already refused earlier to be labeled as a protest singer. He was not a protest singer. To the, and to the great chagrin of fellow um, uh, of folk legend hero, Pete Singer, whom felt betrayed by Dylan and reportedly had to be physically restrained from using a hatchet to cut the power cords fueling Dylan's electric guitar, which amplified his version of his song like a rolling stone. Dylan had turned to his backing band and instructed them, play it loud. Yeah, in that moment... You know, in that momentary, you know, absolute silence that exists between songs in a live performance, a a fan in the audience at a Dylan concert in Manchester, England in 1965 screamed out and was heard by all, Judas, Judas, to an astonished Bob Dylan. But do you think Dylan changed? No, he just did his thing. Like the you know supposedly left-leaning 
um, empathetic, but in truth, selfish, self-important, intolerant Pete Seeger. This fan in Manchester, uh, England, believed that he had the right to freeze Bob Dylan, confine him to his definition of what Bob Dylan was, will be, and shall be forever. I mean, that was never going to happen. Dylan was Dylan, and thank God for it. And fortunately for us, he did what he pleased, only what he pleased, and he gave us all those masterpieces, which were phenomenal. You know, Picasso was like that. He wasn't stagnant either. Pablo Picasso's art is often split into periods. There was his early work. There was the blue period, the rose period. There was an African period, you know, the famous cubism, neoclassicism, and surrealism. Essentially, Picasso changed himself numerous times within the course of a long career, and he produced whatever work captivated him in whatever style he preferred until he himself was captured and taken prisoner for the last decade of his life by his goofy, mean-spirited young wife who essentially caged the intellectually failing but still artistically brilliant artist in his attic. But that's beyond the scope of our bioblast today. And that's where we're going to end this tale of another tortured talent today. But there is more, much more, and we will share it. You know, for we're believers in Schopenhauer, Bentham, Hobbes, who knew so well ah, the agonies, the sweet agonies of the human condition. Hope you enjoyed. Hope you'll return. Goodbye for now. Bye-bye. As I get older, picture grows clear. Too many whiskeys, women, and beer. Nights have proved trouble, but mornings are worse. Nothing I've done has ever quenched my thirst. I'm all alone, just sitting in my room. The curtains are closed, overcome by the dawn. Times like these I just have to admit I mean nothing to myself Not one little bit So come on sweet ladies Walks over my way I'm a new man Starting today Be different or meet a woman of means I change the man I became in my teens No more whiskey, women or beer 
get a job or kick it in gear I squandered my life wasted my time all I ever needed was a partner in crime I'll be there for her you just wait and see I'll be the man I've always wanted to be So come on, sweet ladies Waltz over my way I'm a new man Starting the day One more beer Road time say I'll be a new man when tomorrow I wake. So let's just enjoy that last sip of beer. I'll be unrecognizable by the end of the year. Time has grown short. Years have rolled by Opportunity wasted And I just don't know why But today I awoke And all I can say Is I've paid the price For living this way So come on, sweet lady Waltz over my way I'm a new man Starting today